Our topic today is what it takes to be a leader. Please take out the sermon notes that have been prepared for you. We're going to look at a summary of Nehemiah's life. We're going to look for five characteristics of the man himself. Leadership needs men and women of character, not of charisma. You don't have to be charismatic, bubbly, overly energetic person to be a leader. But to be a leader, you must have character. Today, from a bird's eye view, I want to pull off from the life of Nehemiah. What I see are five characteristics of great leaders. These can be the identifying leaders in our own church today, and what leaders need to acquire in order to become better leaders. So if you want to be a leader, these are the things you need to build into your life. The first characteristic, in your notes, number one, compassion. Nehemiah was a compassionate man. He cared about people. Already four verses into the book, Nehemiah, we are confronted with compassion. Look at Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. When I heard these things, what had Nehemiah heard? That the walls of Jerusalem had been broken down and the gates were burned by fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And you will remember that Nehemiah already had it made. He was the cupbearer for the king of Persia. He was like the prime minister, high-ranking assistant. But he had it made. But Nehemiah hears about the problems in Jerusalem. He's concerned. He cares. He didn't have to be concerned. He was on Easy Street. Jerusalem was hundreds of miles away. Why get upset? Nehemiah was a compassionate man. The walls were down. They were having a tough time. See, when things are going good for you and me, it's easy to forget what many other people are hurting. Most people in the world are in pain. Physical pain, emotional pain, relational pain. People are having tough times. Compared with the rest of the world, we tend to focus only on our comforts. So in your notes, the foundation of Christian leadership is love. And Nehemiah had love. Love for those less fortunate than he. He was a man of compassion and love. Look at Nehemiah chapter 5. Furthermore, 150 Jews and officials, they ate at my table, as well as those who came to us from the surrounding nations. How would you like a table that big? 150 people. Each day, one ox, six choice sheep, poultry were prepared for me, and every 10 days an abundant supply of wine of all kinds. In spite of all this, I never demanded the food allotted to the governor because the demands were already heavy on these people. So Nehemiah is saying that he personally assumed the welfare of 150 people. He was a man of compassion. So here's the law of leadership. In your notes, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. As a leader, the bottom line is love. Do you love people? Do you care about people? That's the first characteristic, compassion. You need compassion. Number two in your notes is contemplation. First, compassion. Secondly, contemplation. Great leaders have contemplation. Great leaders need to balance the time they spend with people and the time they spend alone with God. Nehemiah was a man of contemplation. 
He was a man who thought deeply. He was a man who prayed deeply. He spent much time alone with God. Just look at Nehemiah 1, 5, and 6. O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Nehemiah was praying day and night. He was a man of prayer. In this short book of Nehemiah, in your notes, nine times he prays. Nine times Nehemiah prays. Nehemiah was a man of contemplation. I've said this before in your notes, the effectiveness of your public leadership. The effectiveness of your public leadership is determined by your private life. The two go together. Look at Nehemiah 5 again. When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind. I want to circle that phrase. I pondered them in my mind. And then accused the nobles and officials, I told them, you're exacting usury from your own countrymen. So Nehemiah is saying, put my mind in gear before I started activating my mouth. I'm contemplating. He kept his perspective. He asked God, what do you want me to say? One of the laws of leadership that we can learn in your notes, think before speaking. I ponder what I was going to say. And I ponder, I spend time contemplating before I'm ready to give a sermon. Contemplating, studying, reading, going over it, planning how to say it, what to say. Because in your notes, contemplation always precedes presentation. So Nehemiah is a man of compassion. He cares about people. Nehemiah is a man of contemplation. He spends time in prayer. Number three, cheerfulness. Just look at Nehemiah 2, verse 1. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So Nehemiah had been serving the king all his life. This is the first time he went in with a frown. And you know it's Nehemiah. He maintained that positive attitude. He was a positive person. In spite of the fact that he was constantly under criticism, constantly being attacked, constantly being opposed for everything that he did while he was trying to rebuild the walls, Nehemiah was upbeat. He's optimistic. Do you like to follow a grouch? I don't think so. Would you rather follow someone with a positive attitude? Nehemiah was a cheerful, he was a positive person. I think in your notes, leaders, in your notes, leaders are to be encouragers and not discouragers. Leaders are to be encouragers and not discouragers. This is very important. The job of leaders is to give people a lift, not to let them down. That's the job of the funeral director. Cheerfulness is an important characteristic. Some people are not naturally cheerful, though. Some people get up in the morning and they say, Good morning, Lord. Other people get up in the morning and say, Good Lord, it's morning. But you can work on it. You can practice being cheerful. You can become a cheerful person. Remember Jan Kaiser, our former organist and choir director? She had this phrase, Good morning, sunshine. On the phone, she'd say, Hello, sunshine. It's important to lift people up and not let people down. But how do you become more cheerful a leader? Look at Nehemiah 8, verse 10. 
He writes, do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The secret of Nehemiah's strength was the joy of the Lord. That is how he was cheerful in spite of all the opposition. The joy of the Lord is different from just plain happiness. Happiness in your notes depends on the happenings. Happiness depends on your happenings, your circumstances. You go to Disneyland and you're happy. You go to a concert and you're happy. But when you come home, you lose your happiness. But joy, in your notes, is internal. Joy is not based upon the circumstances around you. And so you can have the joy of the Lord right in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of sickness. Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Number four in your notes, the fourth characteristic of a leader is courage. Nehemiah was a very courageous person. This is fairly obvious. When you think of all that Nehemiah went through, he left a well-paying, safe, and secure position at the top of his career to go to a country he had never been to, to build something that you have never been trained to do. Nehemiah wasn't a contractor. He probably never lifted a hammer in his life. He was a wine taster for the king. Reminds me of the mission trip that some of our members have taken. It really takes courage to leave your comforts. Look at Nehemiah too. The king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? See, in those days when a person became to the presence of the king to make a request, if the request was denied, it meant automatic execution of the person. How is that for courage? No wonder Nehemiah is much afraid. But Nehemiah, he had courage. He spoke up anyway. And you know, courage is not the absence of fears. It's not the absence of fears. But it's moving ahead in spite of your fears. That's courage. Someone else has said it this way. And you know, courage is when when you and God. Courage is when only you and God know you're afraid. So you don't let fear stop you from doing what God wants you to do. Nehemiah told the king that God wanted him to leave Persia. Yeah, to lead a group to rebuild a wall of a nation that was actually an enemy. And by the way, I want you to supply the timber for the building. By the way, I want you to provide horses that will carry me there. And by the way, I want you to provide for me when I'm there a house to live in. Think that took courage? Nehemiah was a man of compassion. He was a man of contemplation. He was a man of cheerfulness. He was a man of courage. Number five, the fifth characteristic of a leader in your notes is conviction. Nehemiah was a man of conviction. Look at Nehemiah 6. When word came to Sanballat, Tobias, and Gershom, that Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not yet set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Gershom sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plains of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent the messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project. 
cannot go down? Why should the work stop? Well, I leave it and go down to you. Four times they sent me the same message. Each time I gave them the same answer. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands, their hands will get too weak for the work. It will not be completed. So in your notes, an opinion, an opinion is something you may argue about. An opinion you argue about, but a conviction. A conviction is something you will die for. So Nehemiah was a man of conviction. He believed that God had called him to this ministry and nothing could stop him. Now there are eight different times when the opposition tried to stop Nehemiah from rebuilding the walls. There are eight ways that a project can be stopped. And leaders today will deal often with the same ones. So write them down in your notes. Number one, the first way is derision. Derision. They make fun of him. They laughed at him and said, those guys over there will never get the wall built. When you are a leader, and even when you're just a Christian, one of the ways people will try to stop you is by laughing at you, by making fun of you, by avoiding to take your conviction seriously. The second way, number two, is discouragement. Discouragement. The enemy came and tried to frustrate their plan. The people started to get discouraged when the wall was half finished. And that's difficult, but that didn't work. The third way, number three, was dread. Dread. They tried to make them afraid, to scare them. They said, we're going to come and attack you and kill all of you. But half of them worked. The other half stood on guard. Number four, the fourth way was discord. Discord. They began to spread gossip among the people about the leaders, about the wall. They spread rumors to break up the project. That didn't work. So there was derision, there was discouragement, there was dread, there was discord. Number five was division. People were getting into cliques. They were dividing into different ways to get the project done. Trying to cause division. There was an internal, internal conflicts going on. Number six, that's distractions. Distractions. Why not bring the leaders out to a peace conference on the plains of Ono? That would slow the work down by distracting them. But Nehemiah said, oh no, to oh no. Number seven. The seventh way was defamation. Defamation. All these words start with D. They started personal smear campaigns against the leaders. At first they were attacking the people doing the work. Now they're attacking their leader, Nehemiah. They're trying to defame him. They said that he was building this wall for his own ego. He was going to set up his own empire. But Nehemiah said again and again that he didn't make a, didn't make a penny off of this project. This is a mission that God, that God had called him to do. And number eight, they tried danger. Danger. There were actual assassination attempts. They were planning to use a hit squad. But in spite of all eight ways, that the opposition tried to stop the project. Nehemiah kept on doing the will of God. He had conviction. He was persistent. He endured. He was determined. So why did Nehemiah not give up? How could he keep his strong conviction? In your notes, there are four things that gave Nehemiah his strong conviction. Number one, Nehemiah had a compelling purpose. 
He had a compelling purpose that God had given to him. This is a great project. Number two, Nehemiah had a clear perspective. He had a clear perspective. He had asked God for wisdom. He was seeking God's will. Number three, Nehemiah had continuing prayer. That is what helped him with a great and clear perspective. Continuing prayer. And number four, Nehemiah had courageous persistence. Nehemiah based his strong conviction on those four things. Compelling purpose, clear perspective, continuing prayer, courageous persistence. And God wants us to have conviction. Through Jesus' suffering and death and resurrection, God calls us to a new purpose. To love him, to love our neighbor. Through holy baptism, through the receiving of holy communion, God strengthens us to be persistent. To the ministry of his church, we receive a clear perspective of God's will and his working. Jesus experienced all those eight ways to stop his mission to suffer and die on the cross for us. He's our Savior. And our Lord enables us to be leaders, leaders of compassion, leaders of contemplation, of cheerfulness, of courage, and conviction. So in conclusion, which qualities are strongest in your life? Write them down. Number two, which qualities are weakest in your life? Write those down. And number three, which qualities would you like to develop? A mono passage for leaders is from Galatians 6, verse 9. Let's read that passage together out loud. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I believe that the character development involves, in your notes, becoming just more, becoming more and more like Jesus. Amen.